firing on the tier two. Five, four, three. Welcome to the Seabag Podcast, episode 10, with me, Micah, and you, Brian. Oh, thanks, man. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're going to be going over a, a subject that's a little bit difficult to talk about for some people. Uh, even us, and and it's dealing with loss, and not that we know the best way, but we're going to tell you how we've done it and the ways not to do it. <laughs> and um, I think we'll we'll start with um, kind of what what loss means to you and and kind of your definition on it. Yeah, man. So. Every, you know, this is something that a lot of people, everybody can relate to. Everybody has lost, you know, someone or something or lost a relationship or, you know, had had that feeling of loss. And kind of what it boils down to is it's something that you can never get back, whether it is a thing or a person or a relationship, you know, even a game, you know, loss is something that is permanent. And kind of picking into it a little bit deeper, there's some questions that popped up in my mind, you know, as I kind of defined this as, as loss being, hey, you can't get this back. Um, and the questions that I had was, you know, after you lose something, I kind of, you know, found myself going through this, well, can it be fixed and can it be replaced? And in, in, in some cases of lost, it definitely cannot be replaced and in some cases it can and when you when you especially when you're talking about relationships is maybe maybe it can be fixed and maybe it can be replaced but is that something that 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 i wanted you know back did i truly want it back or did was it just something that 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 was there that was comfortable that was easy and and you know trying to stick that back in my life was that a good thing and the other questions that, that kind of rattled through my brain after I defined it, you know, as something that I can never get back is, is what can I learn from that loss and how mm-hmm. can I, how can I use, use this to somehow move forward, use the loss, not as a springboard, but as just this, this point in my life where it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to take some lessons learned and move forward. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what, my like loose working definition is what about you man um yeah that's that's good everything you said was was on point Mm -hmm. and i think loss for me is something that's been always very difficult yeah um because i put in my opinion i put quite a bit of effort into what uh, my current situation is so if it's you know, a relationship, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a hundred percent. If it's a friend, you know, you're getting, you're getting all of me and I'm, you know, trying to get all of you as, as in, you know, give and take and, and mm-hmm. helping each other. And so when, when I experience loss, it's typically a, a pretty big blow um, yeah. to uh, just my life in general. Mm-hmm. And a blow to a blow to your life in general is just like it's like just losing like you said losing something that you're never going to have back and if you put you know put it in maybe layman's terms you know you build that muscle car you always wanted you build that motorcycle you always or you you build something you know by hand mm-hmm. uh, and then you wreck it yeah you know, and then and then it's gone you know whatever happens it means so much more because you put so much effort into it. And I think that's something that military can relate to as well as civilian Mm -hmm. in the sense of putting effort into something and then it being just stripped from you. Yeah. Um, That losing that game or losing that friend or, or whatever. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking about too, when, when we started kind of talking about doing this is, you know, loss, especially for military guys. Um, you know, if you're talking about loss in a, in a, in a wartime setting and, and losing a brother or sister, you know, losing your buddies, 
Um, it's there's a there's an ego thing to it, um, especially mm-hmm. when you're trying to deal with it because you are, you know, you are this trained, you know, war fighting, you know, you're this trained person and, you know, you're supposed to be tough and you're supposed to be this and that. And then you, you know, come back or you, you, or just start to deal with it and start to process it. You know, you can be stuck. At least I found myself stuck in this, this kind of like tough guy mentality where you're really, really hurting on the inside, but you're kind of lashing out at every mm-hmm. at everybody around you because you really don't want them to see or even want to admit to yourself that you have this kind of pain going on inside of you. Mm-hmm. And you know, that kind of, you know, talking about, you know, an, uh, one of my own, you know, personal losses, I, you know, I lost a good friend um in Afghanistan, um, Kevin Cueto, um uh, back in 2010. And the way that I dealt with it, that was like the first time that I encountered, you know, losing uh, somebody that was that was close to me in combat. And I was back stateside and I, I kind of remembered this kind of like a numb shock feeling and then not really knowing where to put any of the feelings and the support system that I had in place at the time, you know, was not anywhere prepared to to i hadn't established it in any way shape or form to Mm -hmm. be ready for any of that kind of stuff and so you know yeah being the being the fuck fucking moron that i am you know i just went ahead and buried my face into a bottle of booze right (laughs) and and just it was one of those things where i was like okay i'm gonna go ahead and and put these feelings in the bottom of a bottle and I'm going to put that bottle up on this top shelf and I'm not going to deal with that right now because, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're on a kind of like a, a fast, you know, a pretty quick op tempo. We're training, we're getting ready to deploy again. And it was kind of like mm-hmm. one of those things where like, I'm just going to stick this on the shelf. And right. the shitty thing is, man, is, is that bottle that you put all of those emotions into that doesn't go, that just sits up there and it's just waiting for you to go ahead and, you know, go through a hard time and crack it open and just let them all come, you know, pouring right back out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your, I'll just step in right there. Yeah. Cause that's a, that's the truth. That's actually some advice that I got from a guy that we both know very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was terrible advice at the time, but it, it was that same same mm-hmm. thing he said you know i was dealing with something and and uh i had i had dealt with loss military loss prior to enlistment too mm-hmm. which was which was i wouldn't say prepared me but i had found out through the death tolls in iraq that were posted online i had found out that two of my friends that were older than me that had enlisted before me mm-hmm. were killed in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like 17, you know, I had, hadn't even enlisted yet. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so it was, uh, it was difficult to, I was like the only two guys that I had, you know, maybe there was three, the, two of the three guys that I had known that had enlisted had been, killed in iraq mm-hmm. and i was like when i when i heard about it it was on the internet mm-hmm. scrolling through pages and pages until you find the last name and then you get a picture of that you know of that person so that i had to deal with it and and figure out how i was going to how i was going to deal with it at a at an earlier age and it was really difficult also when i was reading these, I was like, damn, everybody I know is getting, getting killed over there. It's like, mm-hmm. there's that, there's that sense of like, well, looks like I'm going to be on that list too. There's, there was never a, there was never a, well, maybe you shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. It That never entered my mind, but it was like, well, I guess I'll be up here soon too. Hope, you know, maybe I, I don't even know at this point. And so dealing with at an early age, 
kind of helped me deal with it a little bit better when it was in, you know, in person. Um, but yeah, the advice that was given to me was, you know, this happens, get that, get a bottle, drink the whole bottle, put everything inside that bottle and throw that motherfucking bottle in the dumpster. Mm -hmm. It's over. It's done. It's that's, it's, you have your, you have your day of mourning, your, you know, the, the day that you, you know, do whatever, Mm -hmm. but drown yourself, put it in the bottle and then throw the fucking bottle away. And now we're starting over. And that only worked to a certain extent. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of like one of those, it's like a, it's like a, a, a quick, a really quick band-aid on, on a, it's like a, a band-aid on a blown off leg. I mean, right. In reality, that's, that's, that's what it does. And, it, and it's like, you know, it's just a temporary fix and all of those emotions that you just stuffed in the bottle, you, you have to go through them. And that was one of the things that I had written down was the importance of kind of working through all of these emotions that come along with loss and grief, the anger, the frustration, and even even the hatred, um, the self-loathing, the you know even even the pity parties, and all of these different emotions—they're there for a reason. And it's and not to sound cliche, but every time you experience those emotions and you come through learning something and you come through with gratitude, you are building yourself stronger to be able to support somebody that is going to encounter it for the first time. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe that advice that we were given was, you know, the good quick fix, but there could have probably been a, a little bit better caveat to the end of it and saying oh yeah by the way you're gonna have to work through <laughs> you know what i mean there was another <laughs> flip side of that coin and be like yeah you can do this now but yeah you're, you're gonna, gonna have to do that with every bottle <laughs> yeah you're you're gonna eventually have to work through these things and and you know and and provide maybe figure maybe once you kind of work through those different emotions and you have you know a way of coping with them and i was thinking to myself well that would be you know, awesome to be able to kind of just have that knowledge of how you got through it. And then when one of your buds or, you know, somebody that relies on you for support, um, you know, goes through the similar thing, it's like, okay, well now it's like, oh shit, now I can kind of whip out the toolbox and be like, okay, well, this is, this is, this is kind of how I dealt with it. This is what Mm -hmm. worked. This is what didn't. And, And like a, like a quick story, my, my daughter, um, she had a she had a little puppy at her at her mom's house, and that little puppy, you know, it it didn't make it. It it, it died when it was really young, and you know, my my daughter was seven years old at the time, and I remember when you know my first dog, you know, passed away, and you know that that broke my heart, and to see her, and that's just to have to deal with that same kind of pain, it tore me up inside. But at the same time, I think me and you even talked about it. It's like, okay, well, this this is now as as crappy as it is. It's a part of life, and now is a, a learning opportunity mm-hmm. for us to come together and to be able to talk about it and to kind of reflect and 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 try to grow from it. And mm-hmm. it was it wasn't it wasn't it was it was one of those things where it helped us bond closer. Right. Um, well, what's something that what what did you help her with and what was the the process that y'all went through on something so it it means so much to her but as an adult you're like okay well i you know it'd be Mm -hmm. difficult for me but how how did y'all handle that well it was just more along the lines of i know that when you know i was going through some loss and you know grief and, and kind of reflecting on my own experiences on what worked and just having her and just asking her very, very easy, simple kind of open-ended questions of, of talking about, you know, her, how she's feeling and being able to recognize, okay, listen, I'm angry. And this is, this is what anger feels like. And this is what mm-hmm. sadness feels like. And, and, and okay, now that we've kind of established what these emotions are, we're going to go ahead and try to swing it back around to those little bits of joy that she did get from that puppy 
and mm-hmm. you know recognizing okay listen he's 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 not going to be here you know anymore this is a never thing you're never going to get that back and so it not without saying it i kind of my goal was to guide her to just kind of remember and hold on to those memories that made her happy <clears throat> and just very slowly you know not not bringing it up all the time not dwelling on it but when it would reappear just let her feel the emotions and and walk her through them and say okay listen this is sadness this is again you know anger but mm-hmm. we're going to swing this right back around to this is happy you know this right. is be very grateful for the time that you spent and for the for the for the imprint that that dog left on your heart right yeah it's that's the I think that's one of the biggest things is is we've talked about it before, but remembering the good times and remembering the 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 impact that those people had mm-hmm. you know on you and I remember the first time I met your buddy Kevin, he jumped on you like a <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I think i was in I was in your barracks room. And uh, there was like a knock on the door and like open the door. And next thing you know, this psycho is mm-hmm. leaping on you like a spider monkey and <laughs> and like wrestling you and you're wrestling him. And I was like, do you know? like shit, do I help? Is this, is this? You know, and very quickly I, I realized it's like, OK, these guys are actually friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, unbeknownst to you, Kevin was a fan of the sneak attack. And that <laughs> actually started in 2006, I believe, at uh, one of the schools that we went through together. And we were actually staying in one of these open squad bays with, you know, the bunk beds. And it had exposed piping in the ceiling. And the the cross members were also exposed. And so it was like two o'clock in the morning, bro. And I'm on the top rack. I'm sleeping. And I felt like a like a pebble like hit me in the face. And you know the popcorn ceilings? <laughs> well, this little fucking monkey climbed was climbing in the cross members and he was like five feet off of you know, uh, above me. And, and he like knocked some of that asbestos probably in my face while I was sleeping. And I wake up and I just look up and he's there in his uh, silkies and just drops like a, like a Puma <laughs> sneak attack. And he starts, you know, giving me jabs in the ribs and stuff. But yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That, that, I think when you're talking about loss, that's the, that's the those are the things that you need to be talking about mm-hmm. when you know yeah go through your your ritual go through your your mornings phase but like we said earlier being tough only lasts so long eventually you're going to you're going to break down and eventually yeah. going to you know it's going to build and build and build and then you know i, I i'm not one much for like crying mm-hmm. but i remember i remember I'd, I'd been out of the military for years and i was uh i had missed missed some buds and you know life was probably a little bit difficult at the time working a bunch and the whole nine and and uh i i got home from like a decent day at work like nothing bad happened and i was in my truck and all of a sudden like i pulled into my driveway and i just start like like just started crying, just like mm-hmm. sobbing uncontrollably. And, you know, I was just like, why, why am I crying? Yeah. Like, I was like, I didn't even know what I was crying about. It's just like, I just like emotion let out. And it's like, this is so weird. I, I don't ever, I've never done this. And, mm-hmm. and I realized like all the stuff, it just built up and built up and trying to, trying to be too tough to deal with, you know, something when it happens instead of dealing with something later on down the road when it blindsides you unexpectedly, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely, man. Like it's the, I think the biggest thing, like when you say being tough, like being tough when you're tough about it and you're just going to, oh, I'm just going to suck up the pain and, and, and you're kind of having, it's almost like a little bit of an ego trip about it. But when you're just going to be tough about it, what that does is it locks you into an, an emotion like it keeps you mm-hmm. stuck 
right here in this one emotion. And for me, when I got stuck into an emotion, it was anger mm-hmm. and being really angry at myself, which is a self, a real selfish way to think about it. But oh, you know, yeah. I, I was there, you know, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to yeah. bullshit anybody. Right. But being stuck in this, this anger emotion because you're just too tough, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, and that, and, and with that, when, when I got stuck into this this anger emotion i was you know this was it was like a selfish behavior i was you know argumentative i was you know i was drinking i was drinking to just keep the pain away which was just leaving me in that stuck you know mm-hmm. ang- anger cycle and it was absolutely miserable yeah and uh i mean i don't i, I don't know exactly you know what 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 you know, I, I mean, I do because we talked quite a bit, but like what, what is there something that you did to, to kind of break that cycle? Um, well, I've had a unfortunately, I've had a pretty serious lifestyle growing up of, of alcohol mm-hmm. abuse. Um, not so much now, mm-hmm. um, but I've always been a drinker. Mm-hmm. never never got into drugs in fact i was very against drugs at a in my whole life mm-hmm. um now it's you know i i still drink you know pretty frequently but i don't find myself drinking to you know to try to drown something yeah um but breaking those anger habits and those all the stuff that you just said about um, sadness, self-medication, you know, anger, frustration and all that. The way I broke it mm-hmm. was staying busy. Yeah. And, yeah. And I've, I've always lived alone. I've always had a lot of time to myself. I, I've, I've lived with a roommate for a few years, but other than that, I've, I've always had my own place. So being alone is very normal for me and I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. But I found myself being angry when I was home mm-hmm. and then I would be less angry when I left home, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm show up to work and I'm like, maybe people that work with me would uh, be opposed to hearing this, but you know, he's always mad. Now, I'm not always mad. I may be focused on something, but I'm not as frustrated. And I think it stemmed from, you know, boxing, mm-hmm. um, hunting, you know, I'm not much of a fisherman, but now surfing and diving and always having something to do kind of broke me away from the anger and the frustration of not being able to get that moment with that person back. I wish I would have spent more time with those people before they were, they were, you know, killed or before they, you know, friends that passed in car accidents and stuff like that. You always wish later on when it's too late that you could have done something to impact them more. And I, I learned that at an early age that it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I made it once. I'm not going to do it again. So having that in your mind on a day to day, if you write down what means the most to you in life Mm -hmm. and with, in regards to your friendships and your family and all that stuff, if you write that down, Mm -hmm. And you've been through something like that before, you're going to very quickly realize that if you don't put in a lot of effort to make a difference in these people's lives, you're going to go through that again and it's going to be even worse. So when you daily think about that, I'm not saying it makes it easier if a tragedy happens, but you have less anger because you knew and less anger and less frustration and less sadness because it's like, no, that was my, that was my best friend. We talked every day. Mm-hmm. He knew everything about me. I knew everything about him. We communicated very good together. Not mm-hmm. saying you won't be bent out of shape about it. Not saying you won't be just torn apart, but you won't have that anger as much that like, I wish I would have spent more. I wish I would have gone to that concert with him. I wish I would have, I never, I never drove over to his house. I never, you know, he always came over here. I didn't put in enough effort. And I think that's where a lot of it, uh, a lot of it comes from is, um, 
doing things consistently now and when it does happen, you can cherish that person's time in your life uh, a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. When you, uh, you know, I, I, I keep on going back, you know, when I, you know, when my daughter, you know, lost her little puppy, one of the things that really worried me and made me think about was, you know, when I lost, you know, my childhood dog and I was, you know, people say, Oh, it's just a dog, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit more than that. And it was, you know, looking back, you know, I'd lost grandparents and, and, but when I lost this dog, I had, I had moved away from home and I was able to come home and, and take her to the vet and, you know, they put her to sleep. And I remember when I was burying her, um, it, it really felt like my guts were being ripped out. And what was kind of going through my mind was exactly like what you were saying. It was, it was like, you know, I, I, I moved on with my life. I left and, you know, the dog had to stay there. And, you know, I might be putting human emotions and human reasoning behind an animal, which is never, which isn't, you know, scientific, scientifically proven. But, you know, this is what I was going through. And, and in my mind, I was like, man, I hope that she didn't think that I had left her. I hope that, you know, I kept on running through all the times that I chose to, you know, go hang out with my friends versus, you know, just sitting down and, you know, playing fetch or hanging out with her. You know what I mean? Like there was, Mm -hmm. there was this just chunk of time between I was between you know, when I was 16 and 20 that I didn't, you know, it was like she didn't exist and she had been such a huge part of my life growing up that, you know, I felt, I felt like I had abandoned her Mm -hmm. and, that pain is something that I would never ever want. And then kind of living in that pain loop is something that I didn't want my daughter to go through. And it took me, you know, it took me a while to work through that loss myself. And that's where I was, you know, where we were talking earlier about getting stuck in these loop cycles, getting stuck in these emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's really tough, man. It really is. Well, let's talk about the anger that, you went through and the frustration that you went through, what was the, what was the way you worked yourself out of that? And how, how would you, how would you change now? If, if you went through something, you know, very tragic Mm -hmm. and you knew these things were going to come back up, how would you remedy that? Um, It kind of goes both two different ways. So, you know, I thought about, you know, I, I have a dog, and, and me and her were very close. I, I, you know, I, I think we mentioned it before on the podcast, I'd taken her through a, a service dog training program and we spent a lot of time together and we've done a lot of traveling together and, and we're close. We got a, we've got a, an awesome relationship and she's an awesome dog, but you know, you know, watching my daughter go through that made me think to myself of, of, okay, well, you know, Callie's getting up there in age and it isn't going to be but you know, a few more years when, when I have to go through that loss, it's coming, mm-hmm. it's there. It's inevitable. That's a, it's a part of life. You're here. There's a space between, and then you're in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And so what you're going to do with that little, that little, you know, you got to start dating and end date. What you're going to do with that is, is, is yours. You get to choose on what you do. And you know, just having that in my mind was like, okay, well, how did I deal with the previous one? And what did I regret? What, what, what hurt me about the, the other one? And it's like, oh, it's time. I regretted the time that I did not spend with her. So mm-hmm. I kind of layered it over my current situation with, with Callie. And it was like, okay, well, if, if the time thing is what really tore me up last time and what caused regrets. I'm not going to do that again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, just like you said, continue to give because I've given her, you know, a hundred (laughs) percent. I'm giving her everything I got, you know, and it's like, okay, well you have to maintain that. That way when Mm -hmm. she does, when she does pass that it's like, okay, listen, I'm going to, I know I'm going to be tore up. I know I'm like, I know my heart's going to break, but I, but I know that she's gotten, everything out of me, everything that I can give her the best life that I can give her the, the best training I could give her the best, the best of everything I've given it to her. Mm-hmm. And I've given her on top of that love. And she's given that back to me. And she's also given me freedom back. So it's, it's a, it's, it, it I'm hoping. And the thing that I put in my mind was I'm going to be happy mm-hmm. 
because she was she was here and she made me happy and when she leaves i want to continue to be happy and that's what she would want too yeah and you went through the service dog training and and uh you know post military therapy that you know it's a big it's a big thing that i have no clue only from what people tell me i've never owned a dog but it's got to be it's got to be the right decisions that you're making mm-hmm. um, because it makes sense. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 I guess it, I don't know, man. Like when you uh, losing, losing an animal and, you know, losing a, a friend and, and there's, there's, it, there's really no way to compare one to the other, you know, but it, it's just, it's just loss. And it's something that you'll, you'll never get back. And it's something that, that we have to talk through and, and try to come up with not necessarily a, game plan because every situation is different but just Mm -hmm. being cognizant of it and you know especially for the guys that are in the military that are stepping into harm's way you know if you're if you're already kind of pre-thinking it and kind of gaming the game it's definitely something that that should be you know kind of processed a little bit and talked about right well i think uh you know when our friend got killed in Afghanistan while we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't talk to when I, I heard through um, some, I heard over the radio that it happened and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and when I heard that, it was just like, I was, you know, everything we're saying now that we, that you should do. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't do anything punch in the wall and, being angry and yelling and taking it out on, on whoever, whatever I could, yeah. you know, I, I didn't talk to anybody for probably a week, you know, mm-hmm. and this is like in country, mm-hmm. you know, so we're doing like patrol brief, like most limited choice of words possible, yeah. you know, radio communications, most limited possible, like Roger that done. You know, I like no, no, no care. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but, the anger that you take out, uh, you know, outside of the wire is completely the wrong thing to do. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And, uh, can you, can you talk about that a little bit for us about that situation or um... no, I wouldn't say the situation, but taking it outside the wire and letting it affect the mission, the patrol, yeah. whether it's civilian or, combat yeah absolutely i mean it, it, it both of those things granted the situations are two totally different but taking that anger that you've kind of bottled up and granted when you're in a con a combat zone there's no time they do you know they do have a memorial ceremony um you know i i, I was i wasn't i didn't have the you know the privilege or the ability to go um and you have a mission to complete you have a job mm-hmm. and kind of i'm not sure what the correct way to do it but you know i can definitely remember you know strapping up and and you know going on patrol going on a walk and and feeling that anger just that seething anger mm-hmm. and and that burning hatred almost you know it's heating you up just as much as the sun is oh, and yeah. even when you have that that anger you have that emotion there's a there's a very strong potential of you making an emotional based decision mm-hmm. and those emotionally based decisions they either go one of two ways and they generally don't go good right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know when yeah. you're when you're making your decisions that are based off emotion they're not good and yeah. And that goes, I mean, that followed me from being in country to, you know, coming back to the United States and even getting out. And, you know, even now, if you're, you're still processing something and you're getting, you're feeling that anger and that, that burning sensation, then it's probably not a good time to be making any kind of important decision until you recognize what that emotion is and f- kind of figure it out and work through it and get out of that loop. Yeah. Yeah. I- that's that's a great point and having the like we've said several times having the the support system 
in place already. Yeah. Um, is a big thing. Yeah. And I had, I had some, you know, doing a little bit of digging online and, and, and the cool thing is, is we have, we're, are growing and ever expanding sea bag listening base. Um, not only includes, you know, military dudes and ladies, it also includes family members of, mm-hmm. of people that, that have been in the military. And, you know, that's something that, they are not prepared to handle either, you know, and maybe, maybe being in the military, you have a little bit of a leg up because you're like, okay, I'm signing, signing on the dotted line. Here's a blank check for my life to the government. I'm going to go do this. Okay. So there, but, but being a family member, you're automatically lumped in and you're kind of signing that paper too, that now, you know, if something does happen and, and, the person that you love experiences loss and is going through all these emotions that, that they need to work through, you know, maybe, maybe just us talking about it. They can, they can maybe learn some like, I don't know, tips or, or, you know what I mean? Some like insight on how to, how to support better. I know it's not as big of a deal when you're the one that's going Mm -hmm. because I, you know, we knew we were going to a, uh, a rougher area when when we were leaving i was like it, it, i mean it, it was it was serious mm-hmm. but i wasn't worried about it's like well if you know make it back make it back if you don't you don't it's like i know what i'm doing I'm specifically and you know we all did mm-hmm. and there may be nervousness and butterflies and it may get worse and worse you know the closer you get and you know but when you're leaving on a bus it's like all right well bye yeah, I want it to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, see y'all when I see you. You know, y'all, y'all keep pushing, and it's like you're not preparing the family members whatsoever. Oh no! And the the crazy thing is, is I, I'm not sure the process that that it, you know the family members go through. In regards to hey they made it or hey they didn't make it or you know yeah but I know I I didn't I don't think I made a phone call or even sent an email to my family within the probably the first two months but could you imagine your daughter being deployed if she joined the military and then she went two months without you know, yeah without contacting you 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 know whip her little butt when she came back for not sending you you know a letter saying you're okay and you know so i can i can only imagine the way you know families feel in that situation Um, there definitely should be a a better support system for that yeah or or maybe just like the an educational piece you know there's when you you know they 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 are hurting too and then when you come back and and you're all angry hot and and grumpy um, to put it lightly and jokingly, but you know, you come back, well, you know, maybe they, maybe they need a support system too, just to deal with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You that's know? a, it's a, that's a, that's a great point. And, and, and having, you know, because if you, the one thing that I did learn is if you, if you heap, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're heaping all of your troubles on one support system, that shit's going to crack. And that, mm-hmm. and that's just going to crumble and then everybody falls down, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to spread out these, these coping strategies, which we've discussed a little bit to support you when you're trying to break these, these, you know, emotion, when you get stuck in this emotion, you know, kind of spreading it out to things that are solid mm-hmm. that, that don't, because the one thing that I've learned is that people, even though, you know, they could be your best bud, you know, or, you know, your wife, your girlfriend, your dad, your mom or whatever. They, 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 it's like a cup and they can only hold so much. And if you, if you fill it all the way up with, with your problems, they can only take so much inside before it starts to spill over. Mm-hmm. And so having other coping strategies that are, that are things, you know, some people turn to like music or they turn to exercise or like what you're talking about with boxing and surfing. And these are things that 
that that are that are not people. They're always they're not. I mean, they're always going to be there. You know what I mean? Like right. you, you you can pretty much well unless the COVID happens, you can pretty much <laughs> you can pretty much yeah. always go for go to the gym, and you can pretty much always go for a run. Um, but and and those are great things. But one of the biggest things on this little list of of ways to break this you know negative emotion after loss was finding something to engage your hands and express some sort of creativity mm-hmm. and coming from a personal experience that's a really difficult thing to tell somebody yeah like the worst thing as a as a person if i was like now micah i want you to go out there and be creative <laughs> say fuck you, you know? <laughs> yeah go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah. yeah no you don't know me yeah you don't know me but when it comes when that kind of spark hits and trying to find a way to bring that out in somebody without telling them that that's a that's a that's an art and that's a skill in and of itself that that we should be you know, actively talking about and thinking about, and I'd like to put that out there that if you're, you know, your loved one is struggling and maybe stuck in one of these anger loops or, you know, grief loops or depression or any of that kind of stuff of, of, because you know them that well, trying Mm -hmm. to kind of sneak one in there of like, Hey, I know this person is creative in this aspect. Is there a way that I can kind of try and reignite that fire without them knowing what you're doing. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Almost like a, sneak, yeah. like a, like a Kevin Cueto sneak attack. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And honestly, I, I don't mean to take it off subject, but I think the grief side of loss, mm-hmm. we've, you've said it multiple times. It's, it's a very selfish mm-hmm. thing sometimes. And a lot of, I think maybe we've all done it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not much on, I, I bounce in and out of social media. You know, my friends talk all the shit in the world. Like I tried to hit you up on Facebook. I'm like, I haven't been on Facebook in nine months. You know, and they're <laughs> like, yeah, but, you know, and, and then I'll be on for a few months or whatever and get tired of it. But um, I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I try to, now I I really have been trying to live my life. Not that I went through anything crazy traumatic or, and I was no, no, I'm no, I'm no, a no one, mm-hmm. completely no one. But I try to live my life like a lot of the Vietnam vets that I've met, a lot of the World War II vets that I met. And one of the, I met a World War II vet one time and he was walking around to the grocery store and I just wanted to talk to him. And I was like, Hey, you know, sir, can, you know, talk to him. And, 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 uh, ended up, I talked to him for like 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, how, how did you deal with getting out of the military? And he's, he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, Ooh, I sound like an idiot, you know? Yeah. And he's like, I got out is my choice to get out. I did my time and I went and got another job and moved on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Whoa, that's, that's, hundred percent what I did, mm-hmm. but moving on and, and not being selfish and Facebook posting about how you're down and depressed. Yeah. And that's one thing that really bothers me is, is a lot of times in our generation of Marines, soldiers and, and men and women who served, it's one thing to post a picture of a, a friend that we lost in mm-hmm. honor and respect to them. And so people don't forget. Yeah. But it's another thing to put on this guilt trip fucking pity party. So your people will call you and say, are you okay? I hope you're no, that's Mm -hmm. wrong. That's wrong to to take. And we said that in our first show that we wanted to meet to, to read our, our medal of honor citations at the end of the show so that we didn't take their heroism and use it as ammunition to start us off on a yeah. show. Yeah. And I think a lot of people um, may be guilty of, of doing that. And it's very selfish to do it. And it, and it's completely the wrong way to go about it. 
The awesome so, thing is, is that so <clears throat> just doing a little bit of digging around on the internet, which I'm not going to again cite my sources. So anybody that's listening that would like to debate on the things not to do <laughs> or not to say to somebody that's dealing with grief or loss, you can go ahead. But one of the one of the big key things that will keep you stuck in that loop. It was, there was a, there was a big bullet point that was talked about social media and how that is portrayed and exactly how you explained it. It's, it is one thing entirely to, you know, maybe post a picture or, you know, have like a little uh, remembrance if, if you're so inclined to, but uh, having your emotions spill into it is a total, is a really bad place to put those emotions you know, putting your emotions out on social media, as we've seen, is a great recipe for disaster. Yeah. And 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 can lead to things that are just, you know, that are not good. And keeping keeping those emotions in check, especially on those platforms, is a wise, wise decision. Yeah. Well, because they can, like you said, they can get they can get nasty real quick. Oh, someone, absolutely. Someone, and we we've all met those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you weren't this, and you weren't a that, and you're you know you don't even know what did you do, blah blah blah. You know, you've got that type of person, mm-hmm. and then you've got the people that just have something negative to say all the time. Absolutely. So. And, it, and, and one of the other things on there, another point I'd like to bring up on, on the don'ts. And, and, it, and it really does have to do with the ego because I can remember on both sides of the coin of me trying to kind of opening up and trying to talk about some of the, some of the grief and some of the things I was experiencing and why and talking about them. And I can remember people not listening to what I'm saying, but preparing to share with me their own grief mm-hmm. story. And mm-hmm. it, and I wouldn't put it on the scale of trying to like, you know, the one uppers like, yeah. oh, I drove a Camaro. Oh, that's cool. I drove a Ferrari 150 mm-hmm. miles an hour across the United States. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's cool. Um, but so like I've, I've, I have I've experienced that and that never helped ever because it was like, oh, all right, well, I'll just shut up then because clearly you need to talk about what you've got to talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then I can I can re- distinctly remember even like when my daughter was going through the, the when she lost her puppy, I like it almost fell out of my mouth. It was almost like a an instant response for me for some reason to like talk about when i lost my dog yeah and like it almost came out of my mouth and i was like wait a minute she didn't ever meet my dog and she doesn't give two shits about that because she there's no way that she could ever process it and that's really selfish of me to try and like just jab in my own personal experience to try and relate with her that's a dick move yeah yeah, I lost my dog too. Like, Shut <laughs> Suck up. it up. No one, no, no one cares. <laughs> I've, I've found myself guilty of doing that before. Oh yeah, um, and and I've been called out before about that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, hey, dude, like, chill out. Let me have my moment. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that it was beneficial because it was like, hey, I understand because I've been through that. A lot of times people don't want to hear that because it's like, guess what? Cool, you've been through it. I haven't. Leave mm-hmm. me the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. Like, just let let me talk. And and again, I've I've been guilty of talking too much for, you know, a lot of a lot of times. And it's it's something that when you learn that it's not the right way to go, you need to adjust and 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 learn from that. So you can continue to not piss your fucking friends off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, the other thing, too, is like when you one of the other things that was listed on the interwebs that was that's really stuck out in my mind was 
if you are supporting somebody that is going through these, these maybe emotion cycles or, you know, stuck in one or whatever is, is looking at them and saying, what's wrong with you? It's time to move on. Mm -hmm. And, and hearing those words when you're trying to process emotion is not good at all. And that, that would actually, and, and those words could definitely come out of desperation that, you know, you know, maybe that support system is, is, is failing, is crumbling, can't take anymore. The cup's too full. And, you know, that's totally, totally understandable, but those words are, are, are not good. And, yeah. and, and then the other thing too, that, that always, that I've heard multiple times is, is telling somebody, well, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> really? Someone, <laughs> some, someone's always got it worse. Yeah. Well, <laughs> gee whiz, <laughs> that makes yeah. it all better. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm just going to go ahead and stuff these emotions back in that bottle and put it back on the shelf. Appreciate it. There we go. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, and to, you could sit here and talk about this for days on end, mm-hmm. but we know what we've done uh, in the the wrong things that we've done, which is alcohol consumption, maybe drug abuse. I know a lot of vets struggle with, with all of those things. I, I've struggled with things like that. Um, but everything from depression to anxiety um, substance abuse, um, being literally going into a, a, a cave and not wanting to come out and, mm-hmm. you know, not being the person that you're, that you were, mm-hmm. uh, is a big problem. And again, we've all experienced it, but it's a, it's a conscious effort that you have to make to get out of this slump. No mm-hmm. one's going to, you can't do it you know, no one's going to make you do it. You have to want to. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you have, you know, again, we've said it a bunch, but a good support system. But even if you have a good support system, you cannot want to be talked to. And you want to be, you know, go into this mode where you want to drink yourself to sleep every night and go back into this anxiety you know, filled life of depression and all this stuff. But if you don't want to get out of it, you're not going to. Yeah. And it takes a very special person to maybe get you out of it. But mm-hmm. 99% of the time, it, it's an effort that you have to make. And, you know, some things that I, I said boxing before, but getting into a, a physically strong lifestyle again mm-hmm. is something like you hear it. I, I hear it from my friends all the time. Hey, how you doing now? Like, are you healthy now? Like, you know, what do you feel like doing? It's like, well, I feel so much better. I'm back in the gym. Mm -hmm. And it's an excuse that people have used for a long time. And we've talked about it before, especially with the COVID stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I, I haven't worked out since COVID. Well, why not? Well, the gym's been closed. It's like, well, okay, well, we can see that just from that statement, you feel better when you're in the gym. Now the gym's closed for months. You can't go to the gym. We're just going to go back to feeling like shit again. Yeah. What kind of attitude is that? And so I think um, my, my suggestions to, you know, to wrap it up is, is continuing to contact the support that you've, you've had, which is mm-hmm. we've covered that on the last show. Um, but maintaining hobbies, staying busy, whether it's one hobby that keeps you busy for a long time or a bunch of hobbies. I prefer a bunch of hobbies Mm -hmm. because I get worn out on stuff really quick. And I'll, whenever I start one thing, I'll do it a hundred percent for, you know, a year, two, three years, and then I'm done with it. Never want to do it again. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, and having stuff to do when it's raining outside, having stuff to do when it's cold, when it's hot, you know, you don't think about it, but it's like, Oh, it's raining. Well, I can't do any of my, I can't go, you know, do this anymore. Cause it's raining mm-hmm. or it's whatever weather's bad. Well, so you have to have something else. Yeah. And when you don't have something else, it's like, well, I'll just crack a beer then. Yeah. And when I crack a beer at noon on a Saturday, I can promise you it's going to be a Saturday full of boozing 
and it's not gonna it's gonna be good it's gonna be great time Mm -hmm. but it's gonna be a completely unproductive day and and it's just a waste so having hobbies and writing them down so that you know you do something that was a great time fun i like diving go out diving you can do that several days a week yeah go out and do doing anything to keep you busy because when you're not busy that's when you lose the physical fitness, you lose the mental toughness, you lose all that work ethic that you put in while you were in the military or when, when you were active as a younger, younger person. Now, you, now you're losing it yeah. because when you don't have anything to do, you, the first, in my opinion, the first thing that you teeter off on mm-hmm. is physical fitness. Yep. So what, what about you? What's your, what's your suggestions um, for that? Well, a good, very good friend of mine, <clears throat> my, my words would echo yours. And I would also like to be an echo chamber for what he always says, which is something that I, I completely agree with is, is it's, he calls it stacking the deck in your favor. Mm. And it's, it's just like what you said. It's, it's having this mental checklist or an actual physical list that you write down of either shit that you need to do shit that you want to do or shit that you should be doing. And, and when you, you know, say you, you know, you experience this loss, grief, whatever, and you have somewhere to turn to and be like, okay, I'm feeling this. I know that this will make this better. It's a toolbox. It's nothing Mm -hmm. more than saying, okay, you know, I am, I am sad. I am, you know, I'm sad and pissed off at the same time. I know that when I, you know, go outside and, and fire up the welder and just pick up a piece of metal and a piece of wood and just start making something and having no plans, having nothing, nothing drawn up or written down or, or a parts list or any of that shit. It's just coming straight from my soul and it, it, whatever is floating around in my head, whatever I feel like building, I walk out there and I know that at the end of that project, I'm going to feel better. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I might have to drag myself out there, and I might have to pull on my own discipline just to get out there, because I don't want right. I don't want to do it, but I know I need to do it. And once you get it out there and you get it out of your system, it's kind of like being able to take a deep breath, and that's yeah. where getting the 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 hands involved and getting the mind involved and getting the soul involved in something is so important. And I I think that 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 concept it, it isn't just locked into welding or woodworking it's also in there in music it's there in sports it's there in in anything that you want it to be there and you just have to find that that channel that that is that 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 suits you yeah and that would be that would be my my biggest thing but yeah i i agree wholeheartedly with channeling the or or keeping the hands and the mind in the same spot, you know, and mm-hmm. creating something and building something that, that's therapy that you can't find no. um, online, you know? <laughs> no, no. I mean, and, and that was something I was thinking about, you know, as far as output and, you know, if you're online and you're, you're, some people do find, you know, writing and be, writing mm-hmm. being therapeutic and creative writing. And, and, and that can, that can be an amazing tool as well. And that's where you get a lot of, you know, these great literary works of art from people that have experienced tremendous loss and pain and grief. And they're able to really pour their soul into this piece of writing. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that kind of caps it all off and, and is something that we that we are trying to promote with our, you know, our, our letters of gratitude of, of and uh, trying to get people to reflect on things that they are grateful for, even in a time of loss and maybe being able to share them is that once you're going through those emotions and, you know, once I'm done building something and I feel better, I feel more grateful. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel that gratitude and that, that gratitude is something that changes my mood. It changes my well being, and it changes the direction of my day of my week of my life. And right. to kind of close it out here, I have a, a medal of honor citation that, 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 
you know, like you said earlier, this is this is our homage to the the men and women in uniform that have come before us, and and as a way that we show gratitude and and remembering them. Mm-hmm. And the citation reads. The President of the United States of America, in the name of Congress, takes pride in presenting the Medal of Honor to Corporal Charles Jean Abril, United States Marine Corps, for conspicuous gallantry and trepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as a fire team leader in Company E, 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, 1st Marine Division reinforced in action against enemy aggressor forces on 10 June 1951, near Hanyang, Korea. While advancing with his platoon in an attack against well-concealed and heavily fortified enemy hill positions, Corporal Abril voluntarily rushed forward through the assaulting squad, which was pinned down by a hail of intense and accurate automatic weapons fire from a hostile bunker situated on a commanding ground. Although previously wounded by enemy hand grenade fragments, he proceeded to carry out a bold, single-handed attack against the bunker, exhorting his comrades to follow him. Sustaining two additional wounds as he stormed toward the emplacement, he resolutely pulled the pin from a grenade clutched in his hand and hurled himself bodily into the bunker with the live missile still in his grasp. Fatally wounded in the resulting explosion which killed the entire enemy gun crew with this stronghold, Corporal Brill by his valiant spirit of self-sacrifice in the face of certain death, served to inspire all of his comrades and contributed to the, directly to the success of his platoon in attaining its objective. His superb courage and heroic initiative sustain and enhance the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. And with that, this is the Seabag Podcast with Brian and Micah. Out.